Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We have a number of budget pressures and uh, we have to take care of working families across this state. And, uh, uh, you know, that's what we do here every year. We've been able to do that successfully now for the last five years. And we're going to continue to pass budgets that are responsible. Uh, paying for uh, sports stadiums for billionaires. Is that a part of that? Um, I don't think so. Hi, everybody. I'm Fran Spielman. My guest this week is the Speaker of the Illinois House, Chris Welch. Mr. Speaker, thanks for joining us and belated happy birthday to you. Oh, thank you, Fran. And it's always a pleasure to join you. Dare I ask how old you are and how you chose to celebrate as the spring session in Springfield gets underway in earnest? Well, that's a fair question this week, I guess. You know, uh, I, I'm celebrating my 53rd birthday, but who's counting? Okay, and how did you celebrate? Well, you know, I've actually lucked out, I guess. I, I think you could say it's lucky because, you know, my birthday falls typically during the session week. Uh, and this week, uh, you know, we had a sit-down dinner at the governor's office with uh, governor and the Senate president and our chief of staffs. We typically do that every year, and it, and it just happened to fall on my birthday this year. Oh, great. Did they have a cake for you? Well, a, a cupcake. <laughs> oh, a cupcake. Okay. And so you meet with him w once a year for dinner or not, not more frequently? I don't know. We meet more than that, but we typically will will kick off the year with, with a dinner. You know, welcome back. How's everything going? What's the general sense of the things? And uh, it just happens that typically that first one has fallen around my birthday, whether day before on the birthday or the day after, uh, just the way the session weeks fall. So, what's on the governor's agenda for this session? What did he want? What did he ask of you? Anything? Well, we, did, we didn't really get into any specific agendas. We didn't have any asks. I think uh, right now everyone is generally thinking about the budget. The governor has his budget address that he's preparing for uh, on February 21st. I've invited him to come into the chamber to give a speech to a joint session uh, consistent with the constitutional requirement. Uh, it'll be a state of the state and budget address. And he's starting to think along those lines, trying to pry some things out of him at dinner. But, you know, you can tell he's still working on his main themes. Uh, he, he didn't want to uh, spoil the speech, so to speak. Uh, so the, the budget is the main thing right now, because until we get that introduced budget, um, we're kind of in a holding pattern. Are there any new initiatives on his agenda? There always are in a budget. I, I certainly anticipate the governor will, will roll out some things that he that's near and dear to him. Uh, he, he certainly didn't talk about them uh, this week. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to 
assume that those will be announced during his budget address. Any new taxes or revenue ideas that he has? Not that I'm aware of. I don't expect any new taxes. Not in an election year, yeah. You recently got your first look at the dazzling vision that developer-related Midwest has to use a new South Loop Stadium for the White Sox as a catalyst to jumpstart a massive development on the vacant 62-acre parcel at Roosevelt and Clark, known as the 78, for the 78th Chicago neighborhood they hope to build there. This is the largest vacant parcel in the downtown area. Somehow it's eluded development for decades. And now our Sun-Times readers have gotten a look at these pretty pictures also. And the rosy financial impact study that developer-related Midwest has done along with all this. What do you think of all these pretty pictures? If you're a diehard baseball <laughs> fan like I am, or even if you're not, it's kind of hard not to be impressed by this. What do you think? Uh, you know, I, I'm a diehard Cubs fan, and uh, I wear a lot of blue. If anyone uh, who, who has met me knows I wear a lot of blue. I'm a diehard Cubs fan, but, you know, I'm also a Chicago fan. And uh, if you've seen the proposal, uh, it's very impressive. Uh, I was briefed on it about two weeks ago by the developer related Midwest. And uh, I told him this is very impressive, very interesting proposal. Certainly, uh, you know, a, a great economic opportunity for the city of Chicago. Lots of community benefits, um, you know, and it's something that uh, I think has sparked a lot of conversation uh, here in Springfield. Uh, so they they pique people's interest. What do you like? Is there anything you don't like? I like the location. Uh, I like the uh, uh, the use of the river. I like the the fact that there's a lot of green space that could be used by the community. I like how the ballpark would showcase the beautiful city of Chicago. If you recall NASCAR, the race, if you saw it on television, and how that race really uh, displayed the city of Chicago practically in every shot. That's what you see while sitting in, in that ballpark, or at least from the, the visuals that they, they showed you uh, in your article this morning, Fran. Um, it's a really impressive use of the space. Uh, and allows so many uh, multi-purposes. Uh, and it, it could be a huge economic boom for the city of Chicago and the state of Illinois. Uh, and uh, there did not appear to be a, a, a direct ask of the state at this time, uh, other than informing us of, of uh, the proposal for the area. The new Sox Stadium is, in fact, beautiful. A wall of windows overlooking the river, surrounded by new residential high-rises with 4,000 market-rate units, 1,000 affordable units, a revived Chicago River Walk with scores of bars and restaurants, a total investment of $9 billion with an economic impact, they claim, of $4 billion, thousands of jobs. And that's not including the money that would be spent building roughly 1,300 housing units on the surface parking lots that surround Guaranteed Rate Field in Bridgeport, where the tax, where the Sox currently play, and and shrinking that stadium to roughly 20,000 as a new home for the Chicago Fire. Did they talk about that? They did. They did, and all of that is compelling. Um, I mean, just listening to you say all of that, uh, it's very impressive. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, when I tell you 
when you see that proposal, you see that, that the potential economic impact, it certainly piques your interest and uh, I'm looking forward to getting more information. Right. But the big question is, and, you know, it's nice to have all these pretty pictures and all these wonderful numbers and all these projections. We've seen economic forecasts like that before. The big question is, how do they pay for all this? Related well, Midwest the and the Sox are laying the groundwork for approval of some kind of package in the spring session. What is it that they are asking of you? Well, that ask has not come forward yet, and so I'm looking forward to hearing more from them. Uh, the meeting that I had a couple of weeks ago, I was told it was an introductory meeting. They laid the proposal in front of me, but there was no ask at the time, and I did tell them that I'm looking forward to learning more, uh, and uh, that remains to be the case. Looking forward to seeing how they pay for it, uh, and uh, I got to imagine uh, they're going to keep their options open based on the conversations that they continue to have with members of the legislature. What is the appetite for approving any public money taxing or bonding authority for not one, but actually two and maybe even three new stadiums when federal stimulus money is driving up, drying up, the state's revenue surplus is shrinking, there's a migrant crisis, among other things, that shows no signs of letting up. What's the appetite for this? Well, I think that's what related is going to try to find out. I think that's what the White Sox are trying to find out. They're having the conversations. Uh, the last time I spoke with the governor, he had not been briefed yet either. I know the Senate president received the same presentation that I received that lacked a proposal on how to pay for it. I think right now they're trying to find out if there's even an appetite for having a money conversation uh, and learning what the appetite would be. Uh, I mean, we have a number of budget pressures and uh, we have to take care of working families across this state. And, uh, uh, you know, that's what we do here every year. We've been able to do that successfully now for the last five years. And we're going to continue to pass budgets that are responsible. Uh, paying for uh, sports stadiums for billionaires, is that a part of that? Um, I don't think so. So. The bonds used to renovate Soldier Field were backed by a 2% increase in the hotel tax. Those bonds will not be retired until 2032. A total of $589 million still needs to be paid off of that money, sir. $375 million of that is principal. $214 million is interest. There are balloon payments at the end under the schedule that Rich Daly okayed to salvage the deal after the terrorist attacks of 9-11 uh, that ground tourism to a halt. The payments will go from $56 million this year to $90 million in 2032, the last year of the bonds. Another $50 million is outstanding for renovating guaranteed rate field. And that won't be repaid until 2029 when the Sox lease expires. Against that backdrop, Speaker, how can that same 2% hotel tax increase be used to bankroll this new 1.2 to 1.5 billion dollar stadium without increasing a hotel tax that is already i believe the highest in the nation we have not had any conversations around those specific items that you just mentioned fran uh i think it's way premature to even have those conversations i think right now they're trying to get 
uh, information on whether there's an appetite for, to even continue to have the conversations. Uh, and so, you know, I think today to, to talk about hotel taxes and, and things of that nature, it's just way too early to have that conversation. Right. But, but in fact, the Illinois Sports Facilities Authority's bonding power is also capped at $150 million for guaranteed rates. So ISFA doesn't even have bonding authority to build a new stadium, nor does it have the financial resources to go to market. So how is this all going to get financed? Or is this just a bunch of pretty pictures that look like the shiny new penny that would be dazzling to do in a perfect world, but maybe we can't afford it? You know, I would I would recommend uh, sitting down and talking with uh, the developers uh, and, and seeing what their financial proposal will be, um, and what will that financial proposal be that they bring to the general assembly next. That's not something that I or the, the Senate President received in our briefings a couple of weeks ago, uh, and so uh, I love to hear their proposal. The seventy-eight is surrounded by a TIF district that was created to bankroll the infrastructure improvements needed to ready this site for development. Surely that would be one source of revenue. Could you go along with that? Are you talking about TIF revenues? Yeah. Same That's for just for, the, just for the infrastructure, enormous amount of infrastructure work that needs to be done in that site where there's railroad tracks and everything, roads that have to be built, et cetera. Yeah, TIF, TIF revenues are, are, are something that the city would, would, would control. And listen, you've talked about the potential economic impact in the city of Chicago on land that has been undeveloped for years, decades now. And so I think there has to be a, a additional conversations. I don't think anything uh, is anywhere near final yet. Uh, and and I, I think the developer still has to to come forward with, with, with more proposals that need to be vetted. I think the city needs to be a part of this conversation, the state, IFSA, everyone. Um, but I, I just think it's way too early to speculate on how, how that would be paid for without even a proposal being put in front of us. What about raising the hotel tax? Would you be willing to do that for this? I think it's premature to even have that conversation, Fran. I mean, I, I would, the, the economic impact for the proposal that was put before us, uh, it's clear. Uh, the jobs, the, the development is is an amazing opportunity, but I think it's premature to talk about raising taxes for anything. Uh, we have to have a conversation with all of the stakeholders at the table uh, and go from there. Some of the new stadiums being built around the country also take advantage of sales tax revenues generated by the project in the surrounding area. Is that part of the scheme they intend to use? And if it is, what would you think of that? You're asking me to speculate. Uh, and I would love to know how they're planning to pay for it. I'm looking forward to uh, hearing from the developers. I got to imagine they're taking it step by step. They want to make sure there is an appetite for it. They did come with a lot of pretty pictures. They got people excited. But now they have to answer the question on how to pay for it. Um, I got to imagine they're going to have a menu of options that they put out there because they know how this process works. Do you have any thoughts about a sales tax and doing it that way and including that as a possibility? I don't have any thoughts today uh, just because I don't even know if that's a real proposal. 
Uh, I'd like to see a real proposal before before commenting on hotel taxes, sales taxes, or any of that. Uh, I mean, I want to know how the developer and the owners of the White Sox, how they propose to pay for this this project. Did Jerry Reinsdorf say he was going to kick in some money? What was he prepared to do? I have not spoken with the uh, owner of the White Sox. Uh, the only conversations I've had around this uh, project were with related Midwest. Yet another potential complication is the Bears. Under Kevin Warren's leadership and Mayor Brandon Johnson's urging, the Bears have recently turned their attention from the side of the old Arlington International Race Course that they bought, which is now somehow locked up in a stalemate with local school districts out there about property taxes, to the south parking lot adjacent to Soldier Field. That's the same South parking lot where movie mogul George Lucas wanted to build his interactive museum and gave up on it after Friends of the Park filed a lawsuit. The Bears, if they remain in Chicago, need a piece of the same hotel tax and the same stadium bonding authority that now has a cap on it. How do you reconcile the needs of the Bears and the desires of the White Sox. Is this a big enough pot to split? Would you urge that? Well, that's a very good question, Fran. I'm a Chicago fan. I'm a Chicago Cubs fan, Chicago Bears fan. I don't root against the White Sox because I'm a Chicago fan. I, I, I love rooting for their 2005 World Series team. You know, these are conversations that as leaders of the state, knowing the economic impact that uh, these franchises have on our world-class city. We have to have the conversations. I don't sit here today and profess to know the answers. Uh, the answers to some very complicated questions. Uh, I would like to hear more from the White Sox and related Midwest. I would like to hear more from the Bears. Quite honestly, I have not heard anything from the Bears about the proposal uh, you just mentioned regarding uh, uh, building the stadium and on the same location as the the, the George Lucas Museum uh, that was proposed a few years ago, and if so, how they would pay for that. I'd love to hear that proposal. Is there enough bonding authority and tax money to share between these two, or, or is it a, a fight to the dinner table to see wh who gets one stake? I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> I could see a scenario where people are elbowing each other out of the way for that bonding authority and that hotel tax money. Can you? I, I can see a scenario where folks are having a conversation uh, trying to keep the Chicago Bears in Chicago and the Chicago White Sox in Chicago because of what they mean to the, to, to the, to the city of Chicago. Um, how we do that remains to be seen. What do you think of the site of the South parking lot, uh, given the fact that we have a lakefront protection ordinance that says no new construction east of Lakeshore Drive and a Friends of the Park that's dead set against any talk of that. You know, I, I don't have any thoughts on it myself today. Again, I haven't seen a proposal from the Bears that does that. Uh, I got to imagine if the Bears officially put that proposal out there that we've all read about in Cranes, that they're going to give us some specific detailed information. They will have done the research and answer the questions regarding uh, legalities and, and whether or not it can be done. Uh, and, and so I would look forward to hearing from the Bears on any proposal like that. If it if they hope to get something 
in the spring session? How quickly do they have to cough up the information about and, and really show their cards about what they need financing wise and how exactly this all would be paid for? It's got to be done quickly, well, doesn't still, it? Well, we're still early in session. It's 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 February. This is our second week here. Uh, we are scheduled to adjourn May twenty fourth. Uh, I can imagine if they're trying to do something in this legislative session, they need to start educating and informing people relatively soon. Uh, um, but I, I haven't seen that yet. I do know that they've hired a new lobby team, uh, so I, we can speculate that they're going to start having conversations. But I'm not aware that those conversations have started yet. You're talking about John Daly and Lisa Duarte, I believe? Yes. Yeah. Are they good people? Are they able to, to deliver this? If it can be delivered, <laughs> they're good people. I know that. I mean, whether they can deliver, are they good it, at I mean, their jobs they're, lobbying? They're, they're, <laughs> this is a heavy I, I lift, sir. You know the name. The names that I have seen, they're all great people. They're great lobbyists. They're good at what they do, and uh, they know what the legislature needs before we make decisions. And so, if I it's a choice to, between helping the Sox build a new stadium and helping the Bears do it, who wins? I don't think we're going to have to make that choice. I think everybody can win. I think the city of Chicago can win. I think the people of Illinois can win. Uh, but I certainly think that in order to, to for everyone to win, we need to have everybody at the table. We need to be collaborative partners in this effort. And, uh, you know, Chicago Bears and Chicago White Sox have been important parts of the Chicago story uh, for decades. And I certainly hope that they continue to be an important part of the Chicago story. For decades to come. Mayor Brandon Johnson's first budget includes just $150 million for the migrant crisis. That will run out in April. It's being spent at a rate of $4 million. What is the mayor asking you to do, and what are the chances he'll be successful in getting more migrant money? I have not received an ask from the mayor of Chicago uh, regarding migrants. Uh, you know, it is the second week of session and I uh, have not heard from the city of Chicago with an ask as of yet. Will one come? I'm, I'm pretty sure, but we have not received an ask yet. Shouldn't you have already? I mean, he needs money desperately for this. Well, I mean, the, 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 the mayor of Chicago uh, is, he, he's a good friend of mine. We, we have conversations all the time, but I have not received an ask from him yet. Uh, he knows how the budget making process works. Uh, I, I can only assume that just like everyone else, we're, we're all waiting for the governor's introduced budget, which kicks off the budget making season. Uh, and then budget negotiations begin in earnest. And so there's still, there's still plenty of time uh, for the mayor of the city of Chicago and mayors from all across the state to bring their ass to the General Assembly. And the mayor and the governor have had their differences over the migrant crisis and other issues, culminating in the governor's decision to block the mayor's plan to have a to build a winterized base camp on contaminated industrial land in Brighton Park. What would you say is their uh, their relationship at this point and the difficulty? What's the reason for it? You know, I think the mayor and the governor get along quite well. I've been in rooms with them uh, most recently last week, and, you know, they're friendly, they're cordial, they're professional, uh, both have jobs to do. Uh, let's remember that we are dealing with a 
a crisis that has been created by Republican governors like Greg Abbott to try to divide Democrats. That's what's really going on. And they would love to see Democrats fighting each other. Uh, I think the governor and the mayor uh, are, are friends just like we are. And, you know, they, they both have tough jobs to do dealing with a, uh, a humanitarian crisis created by Republicans who don't even want to solve the border crisis because they want to use people as political pawns. Uh, and so I think that that's what's, what's not being talked about here. What what what's going on? How this crisis is even created? What else is on Brandon Johnson's spring wish list? He hasn't made any real long-term progress on the city's thirty-seven billion dollar pension crisis. Top mayoral aides have talked extensively and repeatedly about the long-stalled idea of extending the state's sales tax to professional services. Is the mayor asking for approval of that tax or any other? revenue ideas for pensions or to shore up the city budget? We haven't received the city's wish list yet. Um, what's specifically on there? Uh, uh, and I say we, I have not. Um, my chief of staff has not. We have not had a uh, wish list presented to us. Uh, I know we continue to work on the elected school board uh, legislation. Uh, the mayor sent a letter to the Senate president last week and uh, those conversations are continuing. Um, beyond that, uh, right now, there has been no specific ask, but I certainly anticipate well before May 24th, our scheduled adjournment date, that the city will make us, uh, make their, their request known. Is he going to get that 10-member uh, school board, the phase-in, as opposed to the 21 members elected all at once? That's what he wants. Well, I know that's the bill that we passed over to the Senate. Uh, that's the bill that he uh, expressed uh, an interest in in his letter to the Senate. Uh, and uh, I, I do believe that there's going to be some progress made here in the next couple of weeks. How would you describe Johnson's presence in Cloud and Springfield? Does he have any? And how often do you talk to him? How often does his staff engage and communicate with lawmakers? And how is it different from like Lori Lightfoot or Rahm Emanuel for that matter? Well, he's the mayor of Chicago. The mayor of Chicago uh, is very influential in this space. You're, you're the mayor of the largest economic engine of the state of Illinois. Uh, you send the largest contingent of, of legislators uh, to the body, uh, the, the mayor is very influential. Uh, he's very charismatic. Uh, when he was here at my invitation last April, he just wowed the place um, for a couple of days. Uh, you know, people like the mayor, but we still all have a job to do. Uh, and uh, uh, we're going to continue to do that job. Uh, and, you know, we look forward to hearing what his wish list is and being able to help the city of Chicago as best we can fully recognizing that they are the economic engine of this state. How do you think Mayor Johnson is doing? Jewish leaders are furious with him and took out an unprecedented full-page newspaper ad condemning him after his allies last week pushed through what they view as a lopsided anti-Israel Israel re resolution demanding a ceasefire in the war between Israel and Hamas, triggered by the, the October 7th attack on Israel. Was that a mistake by Brandon Johnson and his allies? You know, I, I don't want to comment on, you know, city of Chicago politics. The mayor has a, a tough job to do. He's got a lot of things to to balance and navigate. Um, I'm, I'm going to 
let the mayor answer that question and why he chose to do the things he does. The city of Chicago politics is different than the Illinois General Assembly. I assume you're not going to wait wait into that quagmire, are you? No. And why not? Well, I mean, we have a job to do here in the state of Illinois. I think it's extremely important that we stay focused on what we have to do here. We have a, a, a big budget ahead of us. Uh, budgets are never easy uh, to land. You know, the term we use is land a plane. That's what we're focused on, the things that here in the Illinois legislature that we can control. Uh, and, you know, we're going to get that job done like we've done the last five years in a, in a big way uh, that has led to credit upgrades. And I just want to stay focused on the things that, that we can control here in Springfield. There's a new drive to eliminate the subminimum wage for tip workers statewide, just as Brandon Johnson's progressive majority did in Chicago. Is that going anywhere? You know, it's early on. I, I don't know the answer to that, Fran. Uh, it's so early. I don't like to get ahead of uh, the process. Uh, I had committees scheduled this week, but most of the House committees were canceled, so we haven't had any real substantive hearings on anything yet. Uh, we want the committee process to work. Uh, we want to vet bills, give people an opportunity to testify in hearings and, and, and hear the pros and cons. We want to hear the governor's budget address and whether or not uh, he has a position on that. We want to hear from uh, uh, those uh, uh, that all that have stakes in the budget and, and see how we can balance these things as we come toward the end here. Do you support it, eliminating that sub-minimum wage? Well, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I'm going to not get ahead of the process if uh, I state a position on an issue uh, that, you know, that, that could tip the scale. I'm going to let the process work. I want to hear the testimony in committees. Uh, typically what I do after bills come out of committee I will give my staff a list of bills that I want to jump on as co-sponsors, uh, bills that I want to vote for, yes or no. And so I, I think this is a this is no different. I want to let the process work, and uh, uh, at some point, I'm going to let my staff know whether I want to co-sponsor it, whether I want to vote for it. Uh, but we're not at that point yet. Have you talked to your mentor, Mike Madigan, recently? Do you seek his sage advice when it comes to legislative issues? Yeah, I, I have not spoken to Speaker Madigan in a uh, couple of years. Uh, it's been it's been some time since uh, I last spoke to the speaker. Uh, why do you why not seek his advice? You got well, his hands you know, full, maybe. I actually, I actually have sought advice from speakers all across the country. Uh, as I sit here today talking with you. There are seven black speakers. We're all uh, first in our respective states. Uh, we we use each other as as sources to uh, you know to rely on to help uh, you know because this is a difficult job. And so I have used some of my colleagues that are currently speakers dealing with diverse caucuses like I like I have uh, that have similar populations that we have in their respective states and. So I've, I've been able to rely on, on on my colleagues who are current speakers. With all the parade of uh, indictments and convictions last year, do you expect any other ethics legislation on top of the baby steps that you took a couple of years ago? 
Well, I'll tell you what, I think we made significant progress a couple of years ago, and we're always uh, looking for ways to make things better. You know, right before I, I came on uh, to talk with you, uh, I, I had the entire caucus uh, sitting in an ethics training uh, with our, our two ethics officers. Uh, it's something that's always top of mind. We want to make sure people are, are doing things the right way. Uh, and, you know, if, if there's uh, some proposals that uh, the House, the Senate, the governor's office that we all agree on, be happy to move those forward. But I think we've made some significant progress uh, in the ethics space the last couple of years. Uh, and that's why uh, the Senate president, I like to say, we're getting back to boring down here. You guys are not writing about things going on. <laughs> I don't on like boring. I don't like boring. It doesn't make for good headlines. <laughs> exactly. I love boring because we're not giving you guys. I know you headlines. do. See, we're at odds on that. <laughs> I want it lively and you want it boring. Speaker yeah, Ross, thank you so much for joining us, sir. I appreciate you're a busy man. I appreciate you taking the time. And we look forward to seeing some details, some meat on the bone here with these stadium proposals with the pretty pictures. And we will see you all next week. Thank you, Fran. You're the best. <laughs>